And I'm Rin. And we're here at Commonwealth Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Woohoo! Woohoo! So, uh, we're continuing on. We're uh, looking at the herbs on our apothecary shelves uh, in the uh, alphabetical order by their botanical Latin names. And today we come to Thymus and Tilia. I think it's pretty funny that um, we're still doing this. It, it, you know, we just... It's been a little while. This is just our home apothecary. But there's a... And it's not even... Right? I mean, it's like four shelves. Oh, five, because if you count the countertop. Mm-hmm. But there's a darn lot of herbs on that, those shelves. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of them. But we're on the we're on the bottom row. You know, we're coming, moving along. Coming I think, towards the end. I think if, you know, if one, two, three, four, five, like six or seven more episodes like this, we'll be there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think it just, you know, you walk in, you look at the shelves every day and you're like, ah, herbs, yay. And, but until you kind of like decide, I'm going to talk about each one of these herbs for, you know, however long it takes. (laughs) Well, it turns out this is how many herbs there were. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. So we'll talk about time and Linden today. But before we dive into that, just a quick reminder that we teach uh, herbalism. (laughs) uh, Yeah, not just just in a podcast. Not just in the podcast (laughs) format. Yeah, yeah. So we've got courses. We've got uh, whole programs that can give you some foundational skills and even advanced skills in herbalism, Mm -hmm. if you're ready for that. You can find everything we offer at online.commonwealthherbs.com. And we hope you do. We hope you do. It's a great way to support the podcast. Our podcast is a great way to get to know us to see if you think that you will enjoy our courses. Um, The courses have video, they have audio, they have printable things, they have all the everything you could want in an herbal whatever. (laughs) Plus live Q&A sessions with us twice a week. Those are not mandatory. They're optional and they're all recorded so you can go back and catch them anytime that's convenient. But we want you to be able to just talk to us live. Mm -hmm. Um, So we make that option available too. Yeah. Yeah. So again, Mm online.commonwealthherbs.com. Check it out. All right. And then we just want to remind you that we're not doctors. We're herbalists and holistic health educators. The ideas discussed in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the United States. So these discussions are for educational purposes only. We want to remind you that good health doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. Good health doesn't exist as an objective standard. It's influenced by your individual needs, experiences, and goals. So please keep in mind that we're not attempting to present a single dogmatic right way that you should adhere to. Everybody's body is different, so the things that we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but we hope that they'll give you some new information to think about and some ideas to research and experiment with further. Finding your way to better health is both your right and your own personal responsibility. This doesn't mean that you're alone on the journey, and it doesn't mean that you're to blame for your current state of health, but it does mean that the final decision, when you're considering any course of action, whether it was discussed on the internet or prescribed by a physician, that's always your choice to make. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about time. It's about time. Ha ha ha. <laughs> you know, you got to make, make all the different jokes. Time is on your side. Uh, I've got time for that. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's time for esteem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. A few years back, I don't know how long ago this was, maybe like three years ago, maybe four years ago, I had this great idea and 
um, you went along with it so willingly. And I had this whole like little script for a ridiculous little video about doing time steams in my mind. And I was like, okay, you're just going to sit there. You're going to look really miserable. And then you're going to do a time steam and then you're going to look really happy. And then I edited it and put in like sparkles and stuff. And, um, it was the silliest thing ever, but we repost it like every year around this time. Um, which reminds me, it's probably about time to repost it. Um, you know, just to remind people about time steams in cold and flu season and now cold and flu and COVID season. Although, I don't know, maybe COVID season is all year round. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's like one of the most popular tiny little videos we ever made. And uh, you really and had your it... acting hat on that day. <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, it expresses the way we feel about time steams. Yeah. They are rejuvenating and wonderful. Mm-hmm. And they deserve all the sparkles or virtual sparkles. Like don't actually put glitter in your steam because that would be weird. But let's not do that. No, no. Virtual sparkle, sparkles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Imaginary yeah. sparkles. Um, so I think that if, is this true? Hold on. Let me, I do. I think it's true. I think if I were relegated to one and only one herbal format, I think it might be steams, which is cheating because after a steam stops steaming, you can drink it as tea. Okay. All right. right. I see see the plan here. You're you're sneaking around and getting an extra one out of it. I am. But um, especially when we're talking about respiratory health. Well, let me back up one tiny bit. The great challenge with herbalism, and I think this is true of many holistic interventions, is how will you get the herb to the actual problem? Like, you know, you read about um, golden seal, which is one of the herbs that contain berberine, about it being like the herbal antibiotic. And you might think like, oh, if I ever have an infection, I'll just take that instead of antibiotics. But the problem is that it doesn't get into the bloodstream the parts of the plant that are antimicrobial stay in the digestive tract. Okay, now listen, that is valuable, super, super valuable because lots of lots of infections try to happen in your digestive tract. So great, it's good that we have herbs that can deal with that. But it, those, those constituents never make it into the blood. So if you have a respiratory infection and you think I'm gonna take a lot of golden seal, it's gonna knock out this respiratory infection, the problem is that you can't, the golden seal is never getting to the respiratory. Like those two things are not coming into contact. This is why steams are so important because you're getting direct on contact antimicrobial action and you don't even have to wait for it to go through the bloodstream, the digestive system, the whole nine yards and get back to the lungs. It's just going directly to the lungs, full power, total potency right in there doing its work. And uh, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you're doing a steam, you're relying on the volatility of some of the constituents in the plant, which can fight infection or stimulate immunity or both, right? You're relying on those being volatile and coming up in the steam so that you breathe it in. I say that because... Given everything you had just said, someone might say, all right, cool. I'm going to take that golden seal next time I get sick, but I'm going to take it as a steam. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That won't work. (laughs) It it won't work because in that case, the antimicrobial elements in 
the golden seal, they're not going to volatilize. They're not going to float on the steam. They're, so... they're literally too heavy. Mm. Um, not every part of a plant floats on air. Um, only the smelly things float on and Not every single smelly thing, but the majority of the smelly things float on, on air. And so you can breathe them in. And that's actually really cool, too, because when we're done talking about steams, we'll talk about all the things that time does that doesn't have anything to do with steam mm. because it actually has a lot more action. And we always just make time the steam poster herb. But there is actually a lot more that time is doing um, if you take it in different forms. It's just that this is such like such a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, steams... Obviously, very helpful for respiratory issues, but first off, that's not just your lungs, right? Mm -hmm. That's your sinuses, okay, and uh, your airway as well. So if those areas are mm, congested or there's a lot of stagnant fluid or mucus in those areas, mm -hmm. then thyme is going to help to motivate that up and dry that out a bit, you know? Um, thyme steams are also quite effective for issues in the ear and for issues in the eyes, too. Um, so if you had a bit of an ear infection going on, you can set up a steam like normal, breathe some the way you usually do, and then kind of turn your head sideways and kind of tug on your earlobe a little bit and sort of <laughs> try to open the channel. Or you can work your jaw around in different ways, you know, like when you're on an airplane and you try to pop your ears. If you are doing an ear steam, you want to kind of move your jaw all around. Pretend you're a cow. Chewing I was it. just going to say, pretend you're a cow. Yeah, yeah. That works pretty good. <laughs> so those big, those big kind of circular movements with the jaw that helps to kind of change the shape inside the ear canal and allows that steam to get in there. And then for the eyes, you know, like a like an eye infection, um, pink eye, or, or if you, or if you have like a sty, on a your, sty, yeah, yeah, that's like a swollen uh, oil gland or a lacrimal gland right there, um, or a little infection going on in that. But yeah, the the thyme steam or or other aromatic herbs uh, will do the job. It's, it's really amazingly effective for those kinds of problems, you know? You know, acne as well. Mm, All yeah. different kinds of acne. Um, and, and that particularly, because you're getting like a two-phase action there. First, it's the, the heat from the steam is opening the pores. And then the antimicrobial action of the time is getting in there and killing off anything that uh, is causing trouble. And once you're done, the, the pores are open. And so you can do a nice like honey mask or a scrub or something like that to help get any like actual little particles out. Mm -hmm. um, it can be a really nice beginning to your like a weekend face, face care routine. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, like you were saying, we can obviously take time in a bunch of other ways than just a steam. We can take time for ourselves. We can take time for others. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh... <laughs> it just doesn't get old. <laughs> <laughs> so we can make tea, of course, right? And uh, like you said, it's important to say, actually, when you do your steams, Bring a handkerchief. Don't drip too much snot in there, and then you can yeah. drink the tea yeah, later. Yeah, don't drink. Don't drip into your into your steam because then you can drink it. If you do accidentally drip snot into your steam, okay, well now you're not going to want to drink it. But your plants will let it cool off first, um, but then you can water it to the plants. But uh, yeah, there's so much good stuff in the time 
that is too heavy to get into the steam, but is still really important for your body. And maybe the first one to kind of focus on would be the like pungent bitter aspect, uh, which is really, really helpful for digestive health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that becomes more apparent the longer you steep your thyme. And if you want to, you could even do this experiment, right? So normally when we make a thyme tea, we're going to do a short hot infusion. And if we're going to infuse it for longer, that's okay. We just have to make sure that it's really tightly covered because we don't want the volatile uh, elements to evaporate and be lost. So we can cover it up. But just as an experiment, what you might try to do is take some time, make it in an open container, pour on hot boiling water, and then leave it there for several hours. And then come back later on and see what you taste. And you could even like make another time infusion basically the same way, but just for a shorter period of time or tightly covered and compare the two of them. Right. The flavor profile is going to be different. Yeah. So the, the short ones and the ones that were covered, you'll still have those aromatic, those volatile elements in it. The kind of typical time smell, things like the molecule thymol itself, <laughs> right? Things like that are coming through. All the stuff that tastes like pizza. You know, yeah. all the all the seasoning kind of flavors you'll still have. Yeah. But with the one that you've allowed those things to evaporate away, now look, they're not all going to disappear, okay? I'm not saying that if you uh, make time like this, it doesn't taste anything <laughs> like <laughs> like time in your food or time that you're familiar with. Yeah. But there is, there is a shift for sure. Um, and it's both like some of those volatiles going away and also some of those bitter elements emerging or becoming more forward. Um, yeah. as they as they are extracted from the plant material like concentrating it as as it steeps longer mm -hmm. yeah um i think you'll get more of the drying activity in that way too uh, some of the drying action is in the volatiles um but there's also just astringency in the time itself it, that are not volatile molecule um molecularly related uh, so you'll have that. And so that astringency will kind of, um, like remind you of black tea. It'll, it, it's not like it's going to be astringent, like an unripe banana, but like, uh, like black tea kind of astringent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And when we, when we drink that tea, um, uh, say we made it, we did a short infusion. It still has a lot of volatiles in there, right? Those are still going to move around your body. Some of them are going to get to the lung, right? So thyme is an herb that can help with this respiratory issue if we steam it. It can also help if we drink it. So why not do both? <laughs> right? And it can help if you eat it. Yeah. Put it in your dinner or your soup too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, these kind of volatile com compounds, when they enter the body, you're not going to sort of leave them in there forever. They're going to make their way out again. And generally that's going to go towards the lungs uh, and then also some towards the urinary system. So thyme isn't really like the first herb I would think of for a urinary tract infection. But if it's the only herb that I've got around, I'm definitely going to prepare that tea and drink it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. A lot of the same stuff we're saying here would apply to tincture also. Um, and tincture, with thyme, it's really forgiving. You can do it from a fresh plant if that's what you have uh, in your, your garden or on your porch, porch pot array of growing herbs. <laughs> um you could also do a tincture out of dried thyme, as long as it was dried well. And, you know, what does that mean, Rin, it's dried well? Well, you can tell when you open the jar, right? Mm -hmm. 
you should be able to smell it immediately and it should be potent, right? Ah, this is time. Yeah, and it should still be more green than any other color. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I think a lot about quality of home drying and a lot of people like just hang herbs to dry and that's fine when you're starting out, but um, drying, like the better that you're able to dry it, um, the better quality that you end up with. And when, you know, for a long time, I did not bother with a dehydrator. And by long time, I mean like 10 or 15 years. I just was like, oh, if I, if I need it dry, I'll buy it or I'll just not have it dry. I'll tincture it, you know, whatever. Um, and then I started wanting more and more of my own dried material and finally I did get a dehydrator and uh, it makes an enormous difference over every other method that I tried. Um, I think if you don't have a dehydrator, the next best method could possibly be to put it in a brown bag, like in a car or some enclosed hot space. Mm. I've always been a little weirded out by putting it in the car because there's a whole lot of other things going on in, the, in your car that you can't see. Um, like molecules um, from all the plastics and stuff but I don't know it does dry it faster um, but you know you can often find dehydrators at thrift shops and they're they're really widely available now so I super encourage you to just sort of like be on the lookout for one when you're when you're thrifting or whatever or if you can buy a new one also fine um, but if you're going to dry your own, especially when we're talking about plants with volatile oil compound, uh, content, it does make a huge, huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, okay. Uh, we can also infuse our time into vinegar. And um, you may have heard of some recipes, such as Four Thieves Vinegar. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, a sort of a traditional, like, you know, Western European, uh, preparation involving aromatic herbs, basically pungent mints. Um, I'm not, I don't think rue is in the mint family, but. Uh, no, but also nobody really puts rue. Like that's, that's pretty yeah, old. That's sort of the, like, the, like classic version, but yeah, it's true. Honestly, every time I, we've made four thieves vinegar, it's been like time and rosemary and maybe some sage maybe some lavender even sometimes people put peppermint in um oh, yeah. which you know when you're making thieves vinegar the purpose of it is not actually to be delicious it's fine if you make it delicious that's fantastic <laughs> but it is it, it is like actually intended as a topical cleaning agent um and so it kind of doesn't matter if you've got a bunch of mints with wildly different flavor profiles that are going to taste kind of weird next to each other because your countertop is not going to taste that. Mm. Um, or the wound that you maybe are putting it on, boy, that's going to sting, but it's going to clean it good, yeah. um, is not going to taste that either. It does also yeah. give a uh, an aura of medicinality to the substance when you get your little shot glass and you take your little half ounce of your of your thieves vinegar and you shoot it down and you go <laughs> <laughs> that's true right that is then true. you're like ah marvelous no, this is working <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 so so and again we're you know it's the same kind of strategy there it is antimicrobial action on content on contact 
um, whether that contact is a countertop, you know, um, and it, it is fun to like, it's it, vinegar is a great cleaning solution anyway. And that's that many fewer chemicals that you have in your house, mm. but it's more fun when your vinegar smells nice with like minty things in it. Absolutely. Um, but it is really, really effective at killing germs on, on surfaces. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is actually the whole story of the thieves' vinegar. Is that uh, yeah? You know, it's I don't I don't know that this story is verifiable, but it is uh, so widely um, told that I you know it's an urban legend as part of the folklore of herbalism, the, myth- the mythology yeah. of traditional Western herbalism. Yeah, but the idea here is that in the Black Plague, um, there you know people were dying left and right and their houses had all their belongings in them and so these four um friends got together and maybe a couple of them were brothers or something and anyway one of them their mom was a midwife and taught them how to make this antiseptic solution and so they would cover every part of their body and wear a mask and everything and then go into the houses of people who had died of the plague and steal all their silver, you know, candlesticks or whatever people had, you know, like whatever. And uh, then they would wash all that stuff in this vinegar and, oh, and they would put a cloth with the vinegar inside their mask also. So they were breathing that in the whole time. And then they would get undressed, burn everything that they wore, and wash their whole bodies with the vinegar. And uh, the myth goes that uh, that worked really well for them. They never died. And, well, I mean, eventually at some point they did die, but not not of stealing things out of plague houses. Um, and so the myth goes on that the local authorities, um, the French authorities, because this, this myth is set in France, um... Uh, the the authorities took them, arrested them, eventually caught them and arrested them and said, listen, we'll let you go if you tell us how you're doing this. And uh, then the story starts to fall apart because sometimes, you know, it's like one of those has multiple endings. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they didn't give up the story and sometimes they did give up the story and sometimes they gave up the story and then got punished anyway and sometimes they didn't give up the story and escaped and you know mm-hmm. whatever anyway yeah yeah you can choose your own favorite ending yeah on exactly exactly <laughs> nice yeah. cool uh time okay and then we can put it into oil right um time infuses really nicely into oil as many people who have made you know salad dressing can attest <laughs> uh, pretty <laughs> pretty straightforward <Okay>. yeah right? <laughs> Uh, pretty simple one there. Um, so again, fresh or dried, you know, you can do your oil infusion and, um, uh, yeah, I mean, why not, right? Make an, make a, make a salad dressing, mix it with some vinegar, toss some seaweed into there. Mm -hmm. All right. Now we're getting somewhere with it. You know, thyme is not a very watery plant. Yeah. Like uh, even, even if you just harvested it two seconds ago, it just doesn't hold a lot of water. So this is a kind of great beginner plant to infuse in oil, uh, thyme, also rosemary, um, because both of them are already like fairly dry when they start. Um, So when you infuse them, there's much lower risk of mold growing in your oil than if you're putting like basil or something like that in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And uh, you could even take a, an, an oil infused with thyme and not just, you know, eat it and cook with it, but you can apply that topically. Mm-hmm. It is going to convey that antimicrobial effect uh, from the thyme volatiles. And so you could put that onto, you know, a wound or some rashy, irritated skin or something like that. It is going to be heating. Okay. So not, not something too red and irritated. Yeah. But... And not something wet. Like it's got to be just the right kind. It would be like a, a dry presentation of maybe eczema with a little cracking and you're worried that you've got like some kind of secondary infection in there. And so you want, um, you want a little moistening action because the overall presentation is dry and you're trying to get the antimicrobial action in there too, because you're suspecting it. Yeah. So that would be a really good application for it. Yeah. And to be clear there, the the oil is the part that's going to moisten the skin. The Mm -hmm. time itself is, is, uh, is drying. So if we were to do like time infused vinegar onto that tissue that's going to be very very drying yes yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. okay you know cooking with time is a le- is a, a super legit way to get your herbs also and i think of cultures where you know every meal had a lot of thyme and rosemary and and sage and stuff in it so much was going on medicinally there first off yes digestive stuff is improved all of your digestive stuff that's the technical term is improved by adding thyme um and sage and rosemary and those kinds of things into your meal fennel um but you also like you said like eventually those volatile oils have to leave your body and they are going to do that through the lungs uh so you are getting this sort of background respiratory protection all the time and if you think about places in the world culturally where these kinds of herbs were included in all the meals these are also places where like it was kind of damp and people dealt with lung infections a little more than average not that i mean like anybody has respiratory infections all over the world right that's always a concern but you know in kind of damp places especially i'm thinking about like you know, historic Italy where it's like damp and, and like maybe the roads are kind of narrow and the people are all in the city. You know, if you think about history times, uh, this is also in, in like historical French cities or historical, uh, British cities. Um, you know, people close together in damp environments. And, uh, so just all the time, there's always that kind of threat of respiratory stuff going around if it's just in the food all the time, doesn't mean that you're never going to get a cold or whatever's going around, but it's like, okay, well, we always have some level of background support going on. Yeah. Right, right. You know, one other thing that I was thinking about with time um, would be kind of less of a less of a focus on the antimicrobial effects of it and more just on the heat and the, the blood moving capacity. So if you were to take time maybe make a good strong infused oil and then prepare that as a salve. Now that might be something that you could rub into your toes if you're a person who has poor circulation Mm -hmm. down to your periphery and your toes get cold or uh, they turn blue, you know? (laughs) Um, Something like this, it could really just be calling on the heat and the warmth and the blood moving effects of the herb um, for a problem like that, you know? And then... Especially if you put a little St. John's wort in there too, uh, okay, now you've got, you know, if, if you've got any part of your body that's kind of 
turning blue because of poor circulation, uh, then that means that the nerve cells are also being undernourished while all the cells are being undernourished, but the nerve cells in particular. Mm. Um, and so that's like a real uh, a setup for neuropathy. Um, so yeah, you could make a nice combination there. Yeah. yeah. Time, uh, it's also just, you know, heating when you, when you drink it, when you consume it, you know, so this is one of our stimulating diaphoretic herbs. Mm -hmm. It's one that we would take, you know, there's a lot of plants that we could say, oh, it's diaphoretic or even worse, like, oh yeah, that's a good herb for fever. <laughs> well, what do you mean? What are we going to do to the fever or for or with the and person so who has the fever? there's so many kinds of fever. Yeah, right. So, um, so a stimulating diaphoretic, these are hot herbs. Uh, they're going to raise heat in your body. They're going to help you make a good, strong fever. Right. But, but also like opening so that you're, you, you get that good, strong fever, but it's not going to like be a runaway fever, you know, cause, cause you're like raising the heat, but also like opening the window some. Yeah. Right. So, you know, that includes plants like ginger and horseradish, <laughs> you know, and even cayenne. Uh, but thyme is a really excellent, uh, herb for that kind of thing, you know? And so that could be, yeah, all right, we're in the course of, a, of an illness, we're trying to raise heat in the body, we want to build up a good solid fever. Uh, here, drink some tea, it's going to help you do that. Oh, it's time. It's also getting directly to your respiratory system, right? Stimulating immunity there, combating infection. So it's, uh, it's a really excellent herb for that kind of thing, where a fever is coming from a respiratory infection. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've also... <laughs> uh, I, th I think I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but sometime in the last year, I started making a, a formula pretty frequently that I mentally call sweet heat. And uh, the sweet part is like licorice and fennel and maybe some goji berries um, in a pretty decent proportion. Okay. And then the heat part. Significant is, is what you use. Significant proportion. Lots yeah. of sweet is what you're saying? Uh, a, a fair amount. Not, <laughs> not overwhelming, but you know, a decent amount. But then the heat part is like thyme and oregano and monarda and maybe rosemary, things like that, right? It's hot, warming, aromatic herbs with some diaphoretic quality to them. And what I enjoy doing sometimes is to like prepare this tea and make it real hot and drink, drink it pretty quick and like generate a little fever for myself to be like, ah, oh, yes, I can feel my pores opening. I feel the heat rising to my skin. I've got to take this shirt off and put it over there. You know, like, <laughs> It's a, it's a good feeling. It's it's like, ah, yeah, I'm really getting my blood vessels to work out today. This is nice. <laughs> Especially nice on a cold day. Or, like, if you if you had to sit under air conditioning for a whole day, you know, and then you're like, oh, I'm just, like, chilled in here. Whatever time of year it is, you know, you mm -hmm. can get that. Mm -hmm. You you make this sweet heat tea, you drink that down, you're like, ah, okay, now I'm feeling good and warm again. This is nice. Actually, I've done it a couple of times when I was feeling really sore um, after like an intense workout or a, a day of physical labor. And I was like, all right, well, what can I do about this? Uh, what's going to help is going to be blood flow and circulation and movement and clearing away the inflammatory stuff and helping the new building to occur. So yeah, eat some protein. But then like, let's get the blood moving. Let's drink some thyme and some oregano and some nardo and like get that that circulation of blood like from the middle up and out like up to the skin out to the periphery get that flow really happening um i feel like it helps i feel like it's a, a piece of the puzzle for like mm, reducing soreness from exertion 
Sometimes I learn things for the first time on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for the, for about that period of time, maybe somewhat shorter, I have been drinking like a ton of lymphatic tea. And so even though usually, especially in the winter, we make like one giant thing of tea, like three liters or something to drink together. Um, for the last months, because I've been drinking so many drying lymphatic herbs, um, We've been making our own tea because those aren't really um, awesome herbs for you to drink on a regular basis. Um, but I am a person that runs damp, and I've been doing a lot of work um, on the on my leg health and the, my vascular health, and so um, that's been really good for me. But so you've been making well. Honestly, a lot of times, a lot of mornings you've been making my tea, but then you've been making your tea and I never, I, I really wasn't like asking like, oh, what's in your tea today, babe? Like it just like, we didn't get around to it or I don't even know what. Yeah. Well, these past few like really hot days, I've taken a break. Yeah, of course. From, of course. From this stuff for sure. But. <laughs> but I just, it's so funny because first of all, you always have clever names for your tea blends, even if I don't know that you do, like even if it's just in your head, you always have a clever name. And I never do. And also, that's such a cool blend. And I didn't even know you were doing it. So here we all are together on the podcast learning about Rin's tea. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, I think it's time to move on and, and talk about Linden. Oh, Linden. Well, so, okay. Here's the thing, though. Because that sweet heat tea, you mentioned licorice and you probably also said fennel. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are moistening, but they're not super moistening. They're like middle moistening. Yeah, they're the they're the sweet type of demulcent rather than the slimy type. Right. You know, which is... so they can they can like prevent a formula from being excessively drying, but they're not really going to make it all the way moistening. Right, you know? right, right. And those are the ones that are much easier for um, <laughs> for you to for take. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but but I just you could put some linden in. It's a good idea. And it wouldn't shift the flavor very much because all those other things have such strong flavors. Mm -hmm. um, but it would really moisten up the background. Yeah. 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 In that way, Linden is a very friendly demulcent, right? It's kind of on par with Violet. You can give it to people who have tried to drink marshmallow cold infusion and have vowed that they will never again touch such a thing to their lips. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't you know. love it. It's really hard. No, that happens sometimes. Yeah. There's ways to improve it. You know, when we've talked on the pod before about like, okay, you make your marshmallow infusion, but you also put in some licorice if you're into that, or some fennel, or some ginger, or Chai cinnamon spice. chips. Yeah. Yeah. You, you do an infusion there, and that, that's, that's more pleasant. But You heat up and dry out your moistening... You know, just a little, just a little bit, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, some other flavors in the mix, yeah. yeah. Um, but Linden is, is nice, you know, like even if you were to take a whole pile of it and do a cold infusion and shake it up real good and all of that, you're not going to get a thick, viscous slime the way you are with marshmallow. It's going to be viscous a little bit more than before. It's going to be soothing and kind of velvety on the tongue and your throat as you swallow and really nice if you have a scratchy, sore throat. But it's not snotty. <laughs> it's not snotty. Listen, if you're out there thinking, Rin, what are you talking about? It's really quite viscous. Just keep it to yourself. 
because he likes it. So we're just gonna just stay there. Yeah, or <laughs> or do a side by side comparison of like Linden you, Marshmallow Slippery Elm. Right, right, then... right. Well, that's the thing. It's it, you're right. It is as viscous as it possibly can be without being slimy. Like, yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. that's the difference. It's like it's right up there, and the next step that it just doesn't take is slime. And the slime is the part that you really don't like. But anybody who's out there thinking, no, it's kind of actually uh, slimy. No, we call that silky here. <laughs> we refer to that as silky. Silky, yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes um, that's what you got to do to get the good stuff into you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, there's always an element of... Uh, mm, Social engineering in in your uh, yeah in your herbal practice it's like palate engineering. I do mean I do mean for yourself primarily, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, also also clinically, but you know everybody has different tastes, and not everybody is really very willing to just like gulp it down because it's good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and even somebody who is willing to do that, why take like why make something hard when you could make it easy, and. So all the way around, like finding the variation of the thing you need that is the most pleasing or at least the least unpleasing, there's a lot of value in that. And then whatever helps you in terms of the story that you tell around it, whether it is like, well, sure, marshmallow is slimy, but Lyndon is just silky, you know, like whatever, that story is part of how you experience the plant too. And sometimes, especially if you're a person who um, deals with like texture aversions or flavor aversions or whatever, you can't always talk yourself out of it. But if something is like right on the line and still strikes you as kind of pleasant, then really having a solid story around it can keep it in that space and not let it accidentally tip over into that place where it, it becomes a, um, an aversion. Hmm. So, and this is true, like right now we're talking about it about Linden because, um, you know, Rin runs dry and also prefers dry things and it's not super easy uh, and appealing to have a bunch of slimy moistening things. Um, and that is going to be different for all people, but everybody has things that appeal to them more strongly that very strongly do not appeal to them, um, you know, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. if if you need that thing, then fi- like all the tools that you can possibly bring to find a way that you can get that thing are fair game. Yeah. I did put some linden into my tea blend today. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I knew we were going to talk about it on the... Pod, so. What are you drinking today? Oh, uh, well, there's a little bit of linden uh, <laughs> and some Tulsi, which I probably could have put the time in there, but the Tulsi was kind of drawing me a little more. Some St. John's wort and um, what was the other thing? Is there rosehip in it maybe? Uh, Aspalathus linearis. What do you oh, call yes. that? Rubus. Rubus. Yes. Rubus tea. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's something making it red. For the red color. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I am on day... 325 of self-healing Damiana. Um, not really, but it, it does seem like that is my, I mean, I have all these different lymphatic blends that, that, you know, I sort of cycle through, but when I don't know what to make for a long time, when I didn't know what to make, it was just red clover. Mm-hmm. Now, when I don't know what to make it self-healing Damiana, 
Mm-hmm. You know, because whatever, doesn't matter how long you've been an herbalist, sometimes you stand in front of your herbs, you're like, I don't even know, just get something in the kettle. I like, I don't know what I want today. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> nice. Anyway, but Linden. Yeah, but Linden. So I've been, um, I've been doing a decent number of herb walks this summer, uh, with, primarily with the pharmacy students, and um, I definitely have noticed a habit of mine, which is to begin my herb walk under a linden tree, because uh, there's like four or five different spots in the city where I'll, I like to meet people and do an herb walk, and all of them have a linden tree right near, <laughs> right near my favorite gathering place, um, or, or pretty close to it. Uh, one reason I like to, to visit Linden on herb walks is that it's really easy to identify for most of the year. Anytime that the leaves are present, and especially, and it, and it is a long span of time, when the leaves and then the bract and then the flower structure is present, then Linden is so easy to identify. Mm. You know, The main leaf, the photosynthesizing leaf, is sort of heart-shaped, but it's more like your actual heart because it's a little lumpier on one side than the other. All right? The edges have little triangular teeth around there. Um, and then, yeah, so there's that main leaf, and then there's underneath that something called a bract, which looks like a leaf, but it's a paler, sometimes green, more often like a yellowish kind of a color. Like a, like a lime green. Yeah. Not lime the fruit, but lime green the Crayola crayon color. Yeah. 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 And then this time of year, they're, they're, they're going to yellow before the, the main leaves do. Right, so you'll sometimes see like yellow bracts and and still mostly green leaves or not maybe not like the most vibrant green, but they're still green. You know. <laughs> anyway, so you'll see that there, and it's it's a different shape as well, right? It's like a like an oval, like an, a long oval shape, smooth on the edges, um, and then from there extends uh, a little stem structure where the flowers are there, or again at this time of year the little fruits, mm-hmm. which are these little green spheres, you know, hanging on the thing. Um, oh. Also, but, at this time of year, I want to add, too, is that it looks pretty ratty. Like, yeah. Linden looks very shaggy by this time in the season. Um, all of the leaves are, like, eaten up. And, I mean, they ha- they're still leaves, but they have a lot of holes in them. And also, throughout the summer, you'll see a lot of different bug structures in the leaves um like different kinds of little galls or like um like a little kind of the top of a witch's hat kind of shape like the cone that's kind of bent over um except except it's red but you know still that that shape Mm. um and all of this is fine for the tree actually does not really hurt the tree that much i mean it it could become overwhelming but linden can tolerate a huge amount of this it is it's it is a like community support structure it is a (laughs) nourishment structure and like like a linden tree by itself is just an entire ecosystem um but as a result by this time of year the leaves are not looking too uh too ritzy we would ideally harvest the leaf and the flower together Mm -hmm. uh when the flowers are at their most beautiful and fragrant right that's like the ideal time to harvest your linden Mm -hmm. in early june-ish yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and it's funny because in ukrainian the name of the month of june 
is the same as the name of Linden. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Lipa, I believe, is the nice how that is how that is said. Nice. Um, but that is the the name of the month. That's cool. Because that's when the linden trees bloom. It's Linden Month, yeah. Yeah, it's Linden Month. These kinds of calendars make sense. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how they how they handle the continuing saga of climate change, but um, that's a different discussion. Mm-hmm. You know, the the ease the ease of identification for linden is a nice thing because um, if you live in a city, you might have some linden trees near you. It's very likely they're popular in cities. Yeah, they're a pop- popular street tree, um, and in parks, you know, in green spaces and things like that. If you're in Boston, I'll put a link in the show notes. But there's a really cool thing, which is a Boston street tree map. Uh, and it's like you can zoom in or you can even just put in your address um, if you're in the covered area and it will zoom right in and it will show all of the trees that the city has planted um, along your sidewalk. And so you can kind of like look at that map or I guess pull it up on your phone and then kind of take a walk around the block and be like, okay, I couldn't figure it out from my guidebook, but <laughs> right, we have <laughs> we have uh, state evidence here that this is a linden tree and that one's a, a Norway maple and that one's a ginkgo and... That one's an ash, you know, like, so that thing is kind of cool. Um, I, I hope other cities have a, a similar kind of a, kind of a, a map available. Cause I think it's really fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we often have students that live in the city and I'm like, all right, well, you want to get to know the plants who live around you and don't neglect the trees and yeah. this will make it easy. So, yeah. so yeah, you can, you can check that out and see what you think. I, I think that's also awesome because city trees, um, sometimes depend on city dwellers, you know, especially if there's a drought, sometimes city trees need a drink. And um, so like just anything that invites you to be more in relationship with the trees around where you live, um, I think that's really cool. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay, but Linden. But Linden. (laughs) Uh, all right. So usually when we talk about Linden, we're talking about the nervous system and, um, you know, we like to refer to Linden as a hug in a mug and we like to, um, talk about Linden in regards to grief, Linden in regards to like heaviness of the heart or weariness of the heart. Um, especially when there is also a tension component, or a feeling of nervous exhaustion or nervous depletion, or sometimes people refer to this as adrenal fatigue. Um, yeah. You know, feeling fried, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we talk about that a lot. And I'm sure in the podcast we have talked about that a lot. Yeah. And so I want to focus on a different aspect of Linden that I am thrilled about and that Look at that smile. I am. I'm so excited. That is that Linden has quorum sensing inhibition actions. <laughs> you've been yeah, you've been excited about this for like two weeks. I've been like, I can't <laughs> wait to do the podcast so I can talk about the quorum sensing inhibition action of Linden. Listen, Linden is probably not a plant that you would think of as a potent wound care plant. Uh, but you should think again because mm-hmm. it is so quor- quorum sensing inhibition. We should have learned this lesson from marshmallow, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right, because there was the similar. And they are in the same family. Yeah. 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 Because there was a similar similar thing, you know, when uh, uh, even just to to 
to have heard it said by another practitioner, oh yeah, marshmallow is actually really good for wound care. Marshmallow can prevent infection. Marshmallow has a capacity to bust up a biofilm, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that was a big surprise <laughs> the first time that I heard that. <laughs> um, but the more, the more I've thought about it over time, and uh, much more important than the thinking is the seeing, mm-hmm. right? The seeing seeing yeah. it work, watching it help, yeah. Um, that's been really impressive. And yet I was still kind of like when you came to me and were like, hey, I found this thing about Linden with QSI effects. I was like... Oh, really? <laughs> wow, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> I would have never thought. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. So if you're out there thinking, this is cool, but what is quorum sensing inhibition? Um, that is uh, the ability of a plant to break up a biofilm. And so a biofilm is when pathogens, it's not just bacteria, everybody can do it. They all, like they form integrated communities. They glom onto each other, and um, and it is literally it is strength in numbers, safety in numbers, um, and so they form a like raft in inside of the fluidiness of a wound or in your body or whatever, and they begin to specialize, um, and so certain of the pathogens will be the ones who are getting food for the whole group and some of them are doing you know they'll they'll do different tasks um they literally are forming a mutual aid um community we can learn a lot from these microbes yeah and that's not fantastic because it's inside your body and it can make you sick and you don't want that or inside your wound and it can get it infected and you don't want that um and yet and yet it is still pretty cool that 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 this is happening um so very cool but um in order for a wound to heal well we do need to break it up and have an immune response Hmm. the problem is that the human immune system isn't very good at fighting a whole life raft full of pathogens at once our immune system is really meant to go one-on-one with pathogenic cells that's why they do it, right? Like that's why they form biofilms is to protect themselves against our immune system. And um, so in order for our immune system to be effective against these kinds of infections, and this is where we get like antibiotic resistant staph infection and stuff like that. Um, In order for us to be successful against them, we really have to break the biofilm up and then we can go ahead and fight them all one-to-one. Uh, so there's a whole category of plants that have been tested for this quorum sensing inhibition, this ability to break up the biofilm. And a long time ago, um, I don't know, you can you can email us if you can find the very first time that we mentioned this in a podcast, but I bet it's in the double digits, like before we got to 100 for sure yeah. um, episodes. Uh where, you know, I just really think that because the more plants that they study to see if they have quorum sensing inhibition action, the more that they find plants who have it. Um, and at some point, I definitely was like, I think probably all of the plants have some of this some ability, yeah, some yeah, degree yeah. of this some ability. Yeah. And um, so we don't know for sure yet because we haven't checked all the plants. But <laughs> but Linden has it. We checked Linden, and it turns out, hey, it's there. Yeah. 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 I think that's kind of cool. 
And it's, it sort of says to me, never underestimate your demulsence, you know? They're so... Why does everybody do it? They're so easy to underestimate. Everybody's like, oh, well, it's moistening. Yeah. And, and that's all. And we leave Marshmallow there. We leave Linden there. Oh, well, Marshmallow... I mean, Linden also gets... It's good for your nervous system, but like we just... And your cardiovascular system. We leave so much on the table with these plants because they're moistening, they're so lovely, they're soothing. And and it's like, no, they are powerhouses. Yeah. So when would this be particularly important? Um, imagine a situation where you have uh, some infected skin, but also there's a ton of dryness in that area, mm -hmm. right? This can sometimes happen even with a fungal skin infection like athlete's foot. You know, um, where uh, the skin is flaking away or peeling away or there's getting splits or like open areas in the skin as a result of that. And some of those spots are going to be a little damp, you know, if it's really exposing the underlying tissue. But the overall state is going to be that dryness. Mm -hmm. And so you wouldn't want to go and take time and do foot soaks in that and have that be, and let's say, and have that be the only thing you do. Right, mm -hmm. like you it might be do too a, hot. You might do a time foot soak and like attack the infection, but then after it, you have to do something else to soothe the irritation and cool down that that level of heat mm -hmm. and prevent too much of the drying effect from from persisting. So you could do a, a soak in time first and linden afterwards. That could be fine. Um, Maybe you're just really feeling raw and a lot of irritation, and you only soak in linden. Just, you just go with skip that. the time altogether. Yeah. 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 Or we could put linden together with a couple of other moistening plants. Like we could put some marshmallow in there or we could put in some seaweeds mm. because those two have some really excellent topical antimicrobial effect. Mm -hmm. You know, this is also going to be super helpful for, again, for dry cracking eczema uh, because it's going to soothe the dryness. It's going to lower inflammation topically, but also it's fighting, you know, that that's the that's the big risk with eczema. You know, I mean, it itches, it's unpleasant, it's, it's painful, all those things are not good. But it's compromised in the skin barrier. And so pathogens are getting in through those cracks, even if you can't see the cracks. Um, and so a nice soak of linden, especially I'm thinking about, um, you know, cases of eczema where there's just a lot on the knuckles. Um, or eczema that has psoriasis going on along with it, um, all of that, it would just be really lovely hmm. to, to have a nice strong linden soak. Put some put some licorice in there too, linden and licorice together. Yeah, that yeah. licorice will add a bunch of like direct uh, anti-inflammatory action. Mm. So will the linden. Okay, licorice is a little more licorice is a little like more like intense or acute acting for for inflammation but yeah no broaden the spectrum yeah and, because and they're it. doing it by slightly different mechanisms of action right and so you get many forms of inflammation fighting action and several forms of um like pathogen fighting action and like just like you on any given day if you have one thing to do and plenty of time to do it in you're like this is no big deal but suddenly if like 16 people show up at your desk or wherever it is that you work and they all have a request and they're all different and they all want it right now that's very hard to handle okay well that's what we're doing to a pathogen when when we get that kind of broad spectrum of action by by 
formulating multiple plants uh, in our approach, then it becomes really overwhelming to the to the path pathogen. Yeah. To the infection factors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, let us not forget, like you said, you said a, a while earlier that like people get gut infections, you know, yeah. <laughs> or that there can be pathogens that try to infect your gut, like riding in on your food or other things that mm-hmm. come in through the mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, again, we don't think of like, oh, I'm going to drink this Linden tea to make sure that my guts are in a good state and that we don't have anything unfriendly that's overgrowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in fact, that might be part of what Linden is doing for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do not know if this is still the case, but in Germany, back in the 80s and early 90s, if you were in hospital, they gave you linden and chamomile tea. Um, These are two herbs that have very low drug interaction risk, um, very low allergy risk. Chamomile has a little more risk than linden, but linden has very low risk of that. Um, And both of them have you know, calming, anti-inflammatory, anti-infective, like overall vulnerary kinds of action. Um, And it's kind of cool to think about, like if you're sick enough that you need to be in the hospital, that somebody's also just bringing you tea, like that a tea that is like gentle but powerful all of the time. You're just like, oh, more tea? Yeah, uh, Yeah, that sounds great. Seems good. Yeah. When you go to the hospital in America, do they bring you coffee? (laughs) Coke, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Let's let's leave that there. Um, (laughs) All right. Very good. So yeah. So there's some there's some fun Linden thoughts for you today. All right then. So just to wrap up. I wanted to put a plug for one of the courses we haven't mentioned for quite a while on the pod. That's our Materia Medica course, mm-hmm. which is a little similar to this series of episodes we've been doing now for however long it's been. Um, Materia Medica means the medicinal materials. And so um, this, uh, this course is about the herbs themselves, mm-hmm. trying to look at each individual herb in as much of its multiplicity of powers as we can, right? Trying to do the opposite of shoeboxing. Your, or pigeonholing your bird, your herbs. Right, right. Trying to like, ha, like get in depth with all the different ways that every herb acts. So instead of being really specific about just one kind of action, which we do in like the cardiovascular course, we talk about herbs from a cardiovascular per, per perspective. And in the, you know, digestive course, we're talking about the herbs, sometimes the same herbs, but from the digestive dis- perspective. Mm. But we wanted there to be a place where we talked about the herbs from the herbs perspective, just to give like a 360 degree view of each herb. Yeah. To try and think about, okay, well, what are the basic qualities here? What are the flavors? What are the, the empirically observed actions of the plant when we take it? What does that mean for what kind of health problems it can help out with? Um, And trying to see that in a broad sense and to be like, all right, well, often we talk about Linden for the heart or for the nervous system, but hey, there's these other applications for your skin or for, you know, whatever else we're we're going to be dealing with. Mm-hmm. And we also talk there too about like, okay, so there's lots of different ways to prepare this plant, right? You can, this one's really good for steam and for incense and for a nice hot tea because it's time and it's full of those aromatics. And <laughs> this other one is much better as a cold infusion or doing a, an oil infusion or, or whatever else, right? So again, trying to just give you 
um, a broad understanding of the plant so that it doesn't get into your head that, you know, meadowsweet is good for migraines and chamomile is good for gut cramps. And, you know, and that's like the, the, the box and the herb has a lot of trouble getting out of it. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Don't put your herbs in boxes. Yeah. Put them in maybe some nice jars or <laughs> an airproof air container. That'll be fine. Yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Materia Medica study um, is really valuable. It's also a great place to begin. If you're new to herbalism, maybe you've listened to a few episodes of the podcast, you think this is something you want to get further into, um, then of course, like this is a really good place to begin. Uh, in, the, in the context or in the, in the, as we go along teaching about individual herbs, we're also um, introducing really critical concepts, you know, like the course begins with an, an entry on ginger. And so we talk about ginger, but we also talk about what is a carminative, right. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> what does that category of herbs mean and what can we do with any carminative? And mm -hmm. ginger is a great standout example for this and that reason, you know? Mm. So as you go through, you're also picking up some information about medicine making and some information about formulation and like which herbs are good friends to each other. Um, understanding the connections between flavor and action. So it's a, it's a, a very rich uh, learning experience, we mm -hmm. think. <laughs> uh, like all of our courses, it includes all of the video lessons, which in this particular, this is a very large course. There's um, more than 100 herbs covered, and it is a lot of hours of videos for you to peruse at your convenience. You have lifetime access, so you don't have to hurry. There's also MP3s, there's PDFs, there's discussion threads where you can ask your questions and we answer them the next day. Um, you get access to our student community, you're invited to our live Q&A sessions, uh, the whole kit and caboodle, which is quite a kit and all of the caboodle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you can find that, as well as all of our courses, at online.commonwealthherbs.com. Online.commonwealthherbs.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I think I've got a good closing line today, but we just need to remember that sometimes you do want to take your linden tea and you want to make a cold infusion and get it really nice and, and demulcent and slimaceous. Yeah. And sometimes you want to drink that down. Yes. Okay. So we're just going to keep that in mind as we say, that's it for the Holistic Herbalism podcast this week. We'll be more, we'll be back with some more for you soon. Until then, Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Drink some tea. Drink some tea. Take your time and slurp your slime. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness, you did it. That's the, you didn't type it ahead of time so no, that I wouldn't... I had to I, not give it yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, you're welcome. And, good, <laughs> and, and, and goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>